You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. It's yet another 16 days of activism campaign. It comes at a time where just a couple of uh, weeks ago, perhaps about a fortnight ago, a very brutal video did the round the rounds on social media a stabbing of a CPUT student in broad daylight this this happened um and and of course many other incidents of uh, of, of gender based violence that, that we speak of in the country as, as as this campaign starts this year what what should we be thinking about because there's also a lot of um lethargy if you will people are just saying well we have this campaign you're in you're out It doesn't seem as though anything changes absolutely um i agree um an actual fact um i'm i'm going to scare you here a bit um in 2018 when the women of this country marched under the banner of the total shutdown movement on average uh, six women uh, were dying every day it's gone up to nine women dying every day. So not only are we not seeing an improvement, we're actually seeing a substantial increase. Um, we only saw a bit of a reprieve in 2020, but I actually estimate that it's because the bodies haven't been found and not necessarily that the, the femicides weren't happening. Mm. Um, obviously, under the cover of lockdown, uh, there were certain different circumstances. So in terms of the actual campaign itself, uh, one of the demands that was made in 2018 was that it doesn't just stay in the in the 16 days starting on the 24th of November as uh celebrated globally but because of South Africa having such a distinct problem with gender based violence and femicide we were supposed to be running a 365 day campaign mm. and that is supposed to be monitored by uh the by GCIS and that is supposed to be pushed through via community radio stations um uh public broadcasters etc we have not seen that campaign actually take place it was officially launched actually in 2019 there was a huge launch women's faces were put up uh, on the sides of buildings and sentences we were excited and then it fell to nothing because of course covid then took place um and then a lot of resources were then uh, um uh, moved over to the primary health care response so the fact that we have this campaign it's not effective we have it on an annual basis it's meant to highlight what's taking place mm. but in a country like ours we need something a lot more consistent than waiting for 15 16 days in november mm, mm. what what do you think has has happened um here mandisa have, have people just become desensitized or is just so much that people don't know what to do and so we we kind of get on with things i think if if you know if you if you compare while you know the the wars that are happening currently the first couple of weeks of seeing the devastation um of 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 seeing people in in pain and so on people responded to it and then very quickly we we move on or focus on on other things might it be what what has happened here that it it just has become too much and and people have have disengaged they they're not they don't necessarily care less it's just too much I think it's a sense of helplessness. Yeah. Particularly when it comes to issues of intimate partner violence. Realistically speaking, you cannot remove someone from a relationship that they don't want to leave, for example, or one that they're not ready to leave from. So, for example, if you are affected by this in your family circle, 
um, and someone within your family space is in an abusive relationship and they're not in a space where they are seeking psychosocial support, where they are talking exit strategy, etc., they're still actively in that relationship and thinking that it's going to improve. You sit back and you think, what can I do? How do I intervene? My hands are tied. And you kind of feel that way collectively as a country. And we feel like there's very little we can do. Um, there's professionals out there that are able to do this work. Even professionals can't convince people to leave relationships mm. when they're not ready. Mm. But what we've done is we've created a society not only that has normalized violence, but it's also normalized doing nothing about violence. Mm. Mm. I, I, I'll give you a, 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 a personal example. Um, in the neighborhood that I live in, about uh, four and a half months ago, I lived directly across from a park. Uh, a man was assaulting a woman in full view of all of my neighbors, and people were just standing out there with their cameras and nobody intervened sure. except me. Granted, obviously, I'm a professional, I work in the space, I know what to do, but I'm saying people are stunned to silence. They don't know what to do. They don't mm-hmm. know what number to dial. They don't know how to respond. They also feel that they might become victimized by the perpetrators themselves. So that's also another element that we haven't spoken about is the the issue of fear, of retaliation. Yes. Because we have also seen those scenarios. I mean, remember during um, COVID-19 lockdown, there was a police officer who was responding to a domestic violence incident in Santa and was shot in the head. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we do have those kind of fears. But I do think, one, it's a lack of education around what can be done, um, how to proceed, how to provide support, how to be there in, a, in, in, an, in, in an enabling environment for the survivor to be able to feel supported, to actually exit those relationships. We're not having those kind of conversations. Mm. And those require comprehensive behavioral change programs that are run in our communities by professionals to know what they're doing to give those tools. And those are unfortunately underfunded. This also comes at, at, at a time where we just yesterday, um, Oscar Pistorius uh, was granted uh, parole. He he will be out of prison um, in, in January, early January. Um, Orlando Pirates footballer Timbengosi Lot sentenced earlier this week as well, three years suspended. Um, there was also a player um, formerly with Super Sport United. I think he now uh, plays for TX Galaxy, Galaxy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Gabuza, who was out on 3,000 rands bail, um, you know, accused of, um, of, of rape and, and damage to property. Here you have high profile um, individuals and, and, and then the many other cases um, as well. These are just the three, just over the last three or four days that, that were in the headlines. And there, there are often questions about how the justice system um, is, is, is failing victims or how particularly it doesn't, um, it, 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 it doesn't act in the way that it should, particularly against wealthy, famous um, uh, men um, who are loved. And, and it seemingly, seemingly they, they get away with it here. The conversation around around the justice system and how much trust and faith uh, victims to to gender based violence, intimate partner violence, and other forms of violence can have in the justice system. Firstly, um, I, it's not uh, unfortunately uh, just the rich and famous that get away uh, with uh, GBV crimes and who end up uh, back out into the system or get with bail. It happens literally every day. Yeah. Uh, you can go to Randburg Magistrates Court and just sit and watch cases and you'll see that on a daily basis, repeat offenders 
people with multiple protection orders are still being allowed out on bail. Unless sure. there's, there's, there's a particular push, we've found currently that our judiciary is not actually imposing the prescribed minimum sentences for GBV crimes. For example, in this country, the prescribed minimum sentence for rape is a life sentence. How many people do you know who are serving life sentences for rape? Mm. They're just not issuing out the prescribed minimum sentences. It's one of the demands that was made that this needs to be looked into. And those uh, magistrates and judges that are actually not applying the prescribed minimum sentences need to be taken to task. Because we are currently having a situation where we have repeat offenders um, who are going just back out into the system and just doing the same thing all over again. Mm. And what protection are we providing to those victims? We say, okay, you must report cases. They open these cases. They trust the criminal justice system to give them justice. And then Umund is out on 500 rand bail after attempting to kill you. It, it, it really is one of those things that I think it's, un- it's unbelievable when this particularly a- within the, the criminal justice system and especially on the application of prescribed minimum sentences in particular. And, and what, what are the reasons preferred for this? With re- well, look, it varies from, from, from case to case. Um, you'll find where uh, they say that it's, it's not of benefit to the community to, or uh, the system is unable to keep uh, these perpetrators in prison, etc., etc., overcrowding. Um, uh, overcrowding has been used as quite a good excuse uh, mm. for not holding people um, and giving them bail because they're like, well, we can't just be having people that are waiting uh, trial. We also have a lot of postponed cases um, where they postponed due to uh, inefficiencies of the system. And so a person's case will just, you know, continuously be postponed until the system ends up kicking them out. Um, it's, it really is an issue of inefficiency and us not having a properly functional criminal justice system. Mm, mm. And of course, they always cry about being understaffed as well. Mm, mm. Let, let's move and talk a bit about how we, we are also seeing other uh, other worrying trends, right, of of bullying you know cyber bullying bullying in schools the the abuse at at that level um that the, the children are subjected to whether it's abuse from from an adult or or, or somebody in power a teacher on a child or abuse between children and, and we hear of of a number of these cases as well how how prevalent and, and pervasive um is this issue of, of abuse in schools and during this period as well it's, it's another issue um to, to really focus on? Yes, there definitely needs to be some awareness raising on that one. Um, there's, there's two, the issue there is twofold. One, yes, there's an issue around cyberbullying, particularly with young people, um, and using the internet as a mechanism of violence. Um, specifically these WhatsApp groups um, that they create, and then they start cyberbullying each other and creating, say, for example, like a grade 10 uh, group where they start talking about each other and giving all of this information through these groups because one, there's no adult monitoring, um, there's very little uh, ability that one has to be able to micromanage those spaces and they kind of just get away with murder there. Two, we're finding that schools don't really have comprehensive regulatory frameworks when it comes to actually managing things like cyberbullying, especially when it doesn't take place particularly on the school grounds. They feel like their hands are tied, even though it's done within the realm of bullying within the school environment. So I just think that this is one, a capacity thing. Um, It's an issue of not knowing what to do. It's an issue of not having policies and procedures in place when it comes to young people. When it comes to adults in particular, 
What we found is the silencing of people who actually have been uh, uh, victims of violence via the internet. I'll give you an example. There was, after the Me Too campaign um, here in South Africa, we had quite a lot of outing of perpetrators, specifically on the Twitter space. Mm. And what took place was that those perpetrators actually opened cases against those women who outed them. Sure. Some of those women are still having to deal with going to court to deal with those cases. I mean, it's bad enough that you violated me. I didn't feel safe enough to open a case. When I do speak out, I now have to be dealing with the system where you are actually suing me uh, for defamation of character. So we've had quite a lot of that uh, and the use of the criminal justice system as a form of violence against persons who have already experienced violence. So the, the cyberbullying thing is it's really, it's, it's, it's quite, there's a lot going on there. And it's a space that hasn't really found a common understanding of how do we intervene apart from reporting posts, blocking posts, etc. Mm. What can we tangibly do when something does take place? What psychosocial support mechanisms are available specifically for young people? For example, I mean, remember when we were growing up, we had to recite child lines numbers and we had to know it. Most young people mm. these days don't have access to those kind of resources where they know free resources where they can speak out about this. And those resources are available, by the way. Mm. But it's just um, an issue of not having the knowledge and not disseminating it's amongst young people so that they know that there are resources available for psychosocial support with people that are trained in this particular line of work. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Sure. You know, and, and you get this question all the time and, and many of us are going to be speaking to you just over the next couple of days and we always ask the question, what do we do, right? What should we we be doing different? And we shouldn't tire asking this question because to to an earlier point that the helplessness that many many of us feel um, can perhaps in 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 some ways be aided by um, feeling as though you are empowered, right? If mm-hmm. even even in, in in the smallest way that 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 we aren't feeling hopeless, that this is you know foregone, um, there's nothing that that in fact we can do about this. You you're doing this work on on a daily basis. So for for the for the person who are, who perhaps isn't aware what their role can be um, in cases of, of of trying in fact to to help a victim to um, hold a, a, a perpetrator. A, accountable or perhaps are some of the the simple things that we can already begin to do okay so the first thing i i would like this resource to be utilized more because it's such a brilliant resource people need to use the gbv command center the number is 0800 428 428 i'll repeat it 0800 428 428 it is a free number it is available on a 24-hour basis for example if you are struggling with police officers that are failing to help you open cases um, and are giving you grief or are telling you stories, men specifically have these kind of issues, you can call that number and escalate. Two, if you just need advice on how to, I don't know, handle a particular GBV incident or something is happening next door, you do have trained professionals on that line that are available on a 24-hour basis that can guide you through steps that you can take. Because obviously GBV cases look different. A rape case mm. looks very different from an intimate partner, a violence case, to a sexual harassment case in the workplace, etc., etc. All of these fall under that uh, under the same umbrella, and they need to be handled in different ways. So if you need to speak to a professional who can guide you through it, 
call that number and they'll be able to assist you. It doesn't necessarily need to be you who's the survivor of that particular act of violence. It could be for a friend or a family member. Contact the number. So that's, that's a very simple thing to do that costs you nothing and you, and you have the resources that you need directly available at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I would highly advise, if you do know somebody who's in this situation, be a listening ear. Believe them. Believe them when they tell you. Mm. Don't come with judgment. Don't come with your own perception of what you feel. Be a listening ear. Be an open environment. Give them an exit in terms of, uh, of having someone. Because one thing that abusers do is that they isolate their victims. They make sure that their friends, their family, their colleagues are, 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 are held out and don't know what's going on so that they can't help and protect them. So be there as a resource, as a space. Just be there to listen. Mm-hmm. And if you, again, and if you feel that you don't have the capacity, there are trained professionals that can do this work. But don't just leave it if you are aware of something taking place. A third thing that's very tangible that you can do is support community-based organizations and NGOs that do this work within your environment. Most of us know um, uh, organizations or shelters, etc., that are within our space. Support those spaces in any way that you can, be it in the form of volunteering, be it in the form of donating, or if there's an actionable item that they'd like, for example, to protest against, etc., support those actions so that we can actually see tangible change within our community spaces. Thank you very much, uh, Mandisa. Very helpful indeed. Appreciate your time uh, with us. Mandisa Kanyele is uh, a GBV activist and um, is with the organization Rise Up Against GBV. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.